Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, thank you so much for tuning in on a Thursday, guys. I am absolutely thrilled for you to hear from today's guest, Heather Morris. Heather is notably known for playing the role of Britney S. Pierce on the Fox musical comedy Glee, but that's not where her career in entertainment began. Before she dove into acting, Heather was a professional dancer and even toured with Beyonce as a backup dancer. Between acting, singing, and dancing, Heather is a complete triple threat and someone that I think is truly handling it. And on top of all of this, she has a new dark comedy podcast that she's producing called The Bystanders Podcast, which stars the incredible Jane Lynch, Kristen Chenoweth, Michael Hitchcock, Oscar Nunez, Ed Westwick, and so many other talented stars. And it will be dropping on a streaming platform you love soon. I can't wait to chat with Heather about it, along with her incredibly accomplished career. So you know what to do. Turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Heather Morris, I am so excited to chat with you and have you on. Thank you so much for setting aside the time to chat. Of course. And I, I miss it. Great. Well, I want to say too, happy belated birthday. You just had a birthday. Thank you. I know. I just turned 34 on Sunday. Was it Sunday? Yeah. Was it Sunday? Yes, yeah. it was Sunday. <laughs> the days don't even make sense. It's Groundhog's so. Day. Yeah. <laughs> So were you able to do anything fun with the pandemic? I know it's crazy times we're in. No, I mean, I actually went over to a friend's house. Oh, no, it was Monday, not Sunday. Of course, yeah. Um, I went over to a friend's house and worked, which was actually a treat because I am here at my house pretty much every day working, and we had some Indiegogo stuff to fulfill. We're doing a, a scripted podcast right now. And so we raised our money through Indiegogo and we had some stuff to fulfill through there. And so I got to go there and she had coffee. She had these fancy croissants set out and we had mimosas while we worked. It was like, it sounds so low key, but it was the best birthday for quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, honestly, like I I feel like I had a birthday, you know, last spring during quarantine and it was so like... As much as it sucked that we weren't able to all go out and celebrate together, it was lovely. Like I had a birthday parade with like drive-by cars. It was so much fun and definitely memorable. So that's so sweet. Yeah. I feel like that would feel so great to have a, a parade just for you. Oh my gosh. It like made my whole year, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was so cute. And like I had seen so many other people doing like different birthday parades and stuff too, like drive-bys and all of that. And it's just so sweet. Like, people are so creative during these times. A Catherine birthday parade. Who doesn't want that? I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fun. I'm glad you got to celebrate a little bit. Yeah. Um, So I guess we'll just dive right into talking about your crazy, lovely career. There's so much to talk about because you have this career as a dancer, and then you also have this career as an actress. But I feel like dancing came first for you, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. I've been dancing since I was one years old. Right. So it's been my life passion. 
And you're from California. You were born in California. So did you... I was you... born in California, but I was actually raised in Arizona. Oh, so nice. So didn't move here until after high school. Okay. Well, did you feel then that you wanted to go into the entertainment industry? I feel like Arizona is known for dancing as well. Yeah. You know what? I was always that kid in class who never raised their hand when the teacher um, would be like, hey, you know, who's going to go and make this their career and their profession? Um, like, you know, on weekends when we would travel and do dance competitions and we do conventions, the teachers would always be like, who here wants to be a professional dancer? And I never raised my hand. I was just, I was not sold on the idea that dancing would be a legitimate career, that it would never make me enough money. Uh, um, it just wasn't sustainable. And so I never, I never foresaw myself to be a dancer until I actually went to college and tried the normal life. <laughs> and I like had a boyfriend and I would stay at his house at the time. Um, I didn't live the campus life just because I never wanted to do that when my mom would have never let me anyways. But um, I, after a year of college, I was like, nope, screw this. I had an audition for So You Think You Can Dance in that year. And it was just such a magnetic drive while I was still home that I was like, it's impossible for me to try anything else. Like I want to be in LA to do what I love. Right. And then, so you think you could dance. So that's obviously a huge show, huge platform there. Um, how did things sort of spiral after that? Because then you of course started touring with Beyonce. Did everything really start happening fast? I mean, yes and no. Like I had a lot of no's come my way before I moved out to LA. I auditioned for a small dance company in San Diego with a lot of, um, big named choreographers that I was like to the last 40 people didn't make it. Same with, so you think you can dance last 40 people didn't make it. And so I just heard so many no's, but for some reason it just didn't deteriorate me to feel like dancing wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I did, once I came out here, it, I think it just prepped me in the best ways because no is primarily the answer you hear in this industry before you hear your yeses. So once I came out here, it was just like, I got my list together from, you know, all my, my idols, the things that they would tell me that I needed to do here, like how I needed to dress, you know, what you do at auditions, um, audition etiquette and stuff like that. So, um, I came out here and, and pretty soon after I was just like a, a class kid. Like I was constantly in all the biggest choreographers classes. Like I was just taking and not to be like, Oh, I'm going to buddy, buddy up to you and like <laughs> be your best friend so I can get a job. It was like, no, I just want to learn your technique. I want to be the best dancer I can so that I am booking jobs when I go to your auditions. So I just stuck in class all the time. I worked a job at Abercrombie and Fitch as Love the career. Love it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, had the smallest rent possible. It was like $400 in North Hollywood. And um, yeah, I mean, I heard a lot of no's before I finally got like some small gigs. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you, in dancing especially, any sort of like entertainment job where you're acting, singing, whatever, I feel like you have to have that tenacity because you get told no a lot and you have to be willing yeah. to just show up the next day, go to another audition, just try harder the second time and keep For going. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I call it blind confidence. It's like, especially at 17, 18, you don't really care. Like, 
I think your teens, you care so much. And then by the time that you're in college, you're like, you know what? I've been through it all. I've cared too much. I'm ready to stop caring. Um, and so I was, had blinders on with the blind confidence thing and just kind of went for it and like took any piece of advice I could get. Yeah. Well, especially right now with things, I guess, looking so doom and gloom in terms of the job market with people right now. I mean, I know so many people who have unfortunately lost their jobs or, you know, are trying to look, change their career paths. And it's really discouraging with everything that's going on with the pandemic. And I keep trying to tell people, you know, you just got to work at it like 10 times as harder as you were before in like pre-pandemic life. And just, I'm just like, it's crazy. I'm not saying that like, I'm happy anybody is on the level that the entertainers are on, but I finally feel like people see the life that we live. This is our mm-hmm. day-to-day life. This is what we do every single day. We sit and wait, we sit and wait and we don't have a job. We wait for money. We wait and we, you know, we, we make money somehow, obviously we have to pay the bills, <laughs> but you're like, when's my next job? Okay. Where, you know, I have to go here and do this. And it's like, this is how we've been living. It's like, you learn to deal with that anxiety and put it towards something actually positive, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, I always find that so interesting when I listen to like interviews of like incredible actors and, you know, highly regarded individuals who have won the BAFTAs and the Golden Globes. And they'll tell you like, yeah, I was a waitress for how many years? Because I had to be in order to keep auditioning and keep paying the bills. So it's not a consistent job, like a consistent profession. Um, So then I guess after you finished So You Think You Can Dance and then you started touring with Beyonce, how long were you touring then? I was on the road for about like a year and a half. Wow. Okay. Um, and don't get it twisted. I was not on. So you think you could dance? I made it to the top forty. I didn't make it on the show. <laughs> the it, the visual was me crying hysterically because I didn't no. make it on my best friend Ben, and I was mortified. Um, and I was like, I'm never doing television again, ever. <laughs> I hated it. I was like, they're drama. It's trash. Um, but yeah, I was on the road with Beyonce for like a year and a half ish on and off okay and then so after I guess after you finished touring how did I guess when did you decide you wanted to transition from or dancing to acting because I know that happened not too long after you finished touring yeah so again a blind confidence situation where I was done touring and I was working so consistently. I had started working for Zach Woodley, who is the resident choreographer on Glee. Mm -hmm. Before he got that job, you know, he was working on Swingtown. He did a movie called Fired Up. I had auditioned for. I was the lead actress's body double. Um, I just showed up, did some tumbling passes and he was like, you got the job. (laughs) And so I was her body double. Um, and he used me both in that. And then I was also like on the rival cheer team. So I did both of those gigs with him and I started working with him as his assistant. And like, you know, I basically got the job as his assistant because I would like ask for his coffee order in the morning and I would run errands for him if he needed it after we were done or always just like, do you need anything? Because, you know, I don't know. I just wanted to be nice and he started using me more, which was great. And it kind of like, while I was on set with all of 
the big actresses, like you said, and, and seeing all the magic come together and, and being on bedtime stories with Adam Shankman and Adam Sandler. I was just like, this is so rad. I want to do that. And I always had since I was little, like, you know, when I was a little girl, I used to, me and my best friend used to like, I have the, the funniest footage of her and I, we would videotape ourselves, like doing skits, like being on the Maori show or like those like drama TV <laughs> yes, shows. Like uh... I was doing like sketch comedies in like <laughs> a really dramatic way. It seems like, like we put on this ugly makeup and we'd be like, oh my God, my boyfriend was cheating on me. Like I would do this shit when I was like 11 years old. I was obsessed with it, but I was so shy mm-hmm. that I was like too nervous to go take acting classes. Like I did some traveling ones where they like stole your money and basically taught you nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like in high school, I took some drama. And then once I got out to LA, I was like, why not? I'm here. Like, I'm just going to take a pause from dancing and I'm going to take classes. I told my agents like, listen, and I even wrote a letter to Beyonce and I'm like, listen, I want to be an actress. I'm going to take a pause and I'm going to take class and I want to start auditioning. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like where that started to transition. Mm. And while that was happening, I was assisting Zach. So then Zach got the job on Glee and he told Ryan that I was trying to be an actress. <laughs> and as I was assisting, Ryan was like considering me for a part. Um, and he scheduled me to come in a few times to read for him. And he flicked both times. I never read for him. And then I got a call that I got this job as like this cheerleader. Cause essentially they just needed dancers. Like everybody on the show was a singer and an actor, but nobody could really move. So (laughs) I think for them, it was like a win-win like, Oh, I don't necessarily think she's going to be this huge character, but we need somebody who can look like they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, little did they know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I I was going to say, that's a very bold move that really played out well. And I think that just proves like, be bold sometimes, step out of your comfort zone because you did that. And then it sort of worked because you're this double threat, triple threat, because you sing too, geez. And then you got to act and dance as your character evolved. But I guess with yeah. landing the role, so let's start talking about her. Brittany S. Pierce, let's start talking. <laughs> How you obviously took the job. You you came on to the show not really knowing, will this character become a primary character or, you know, you didn't really know what the longevity of Brittany was, right? I mean, in my mind, she was huge. She was a star. But like, that was because I was like, I'm going to be a fucking star. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, you have this like twisted mentality that like you are already a star. And Mm so you think this is like the biggest role, but it was, I mean, essentially I like landed a job where I got a couple lines. Right. So for me, that was huge. Definitely. And I think the show, I mean, 2009, let's go back in time. That show, my gosh, it blew up because there was nothing like it on TV at all. I mean, that was the first time it's funny because like, I don't really think, yeah, of course there's theater, there's Broadway, but there wasn't really a show about musical theater or about yeah. music in general. And I mean, it just blew up because there was definitely yeah, that, a demographic that took for it. Musical theater from Broadway and brought it to TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 
what it was. Right. And like for me, so I can't dance, can't sing. Love to dance though, love to sing. Sure. But also love Broadway. So I love theater. My gosh, like living in New York, always at a show. Oh, loved it. And I think for like Glee to come along, it was finally something that like appealed to that side of me. And so many yeah. people, so, so many of my friends as well. Like it was just so great to see something like that on TV. But it was just so special in its own way because I remember watching the pilot with Corey, actually. I was assisting and he was like, hey, I really want you to see what we're doing here. I just want to show it to you. And so he played the pilot for me because I don't even think it had aired then. He just got, I just got a glimpse of it. And it was so indie and like funky and weird and like off pacing, but so good um, that, you know, Ryan has that, that, that certain comedy that's just like a little off, but it works Mm -hmm. so well. And at that point it was a half an hour. I was like, this is just so good. Like, it's just so weird. Um, and it's so special in its own way. There's nothing like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't this huge show. It was just this little contained thing. Right. Well, and I think with Ryan Murphy, I mean, he did Scream Queens too. And I watched that and that was a very, similar to it's a very specific type of humor you know and oh, yeah. Glee, it was that it was just the yeah. jokes were very Scream specific was so campy though oh, yes it. It was so oh my campy. gosh it was great what a show what a show I saw a meme of it the other day it was like a Chanel meme and I'm like oh my gosh like what a great show I know um, I wish it wasn't dead like I feel I like it was here and then it was gone right so fast time flies but yeah so with Glee I mean it really it was different even just yeah. the camera, the way everything worked and how it all came together. I feel like that first season, especially, it was just there was nothing else like it. So as it evolved, I mean, and then you guys went on tour, like it really obviously took off in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, it got huge, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I guess, like we were talking about before with Brittany's character, it's how did, I guess it's time evolved and her storyline uh, the storyline with Santana, as that evolved, how did that impact you as an individual? And I guess with the LGBTQ community, how, like, obviously it resonated hugely and widely with people. Um, how does that impact you as an actor? I mean, that's a really good question. It was so, like, beautiful and uncomfortable being in it at the time that it happened because. Twitter was blowing up at the same time that Glee was, right? Mm -hmm. So it was, it was this new enigma, this new form of like Twitter and fans really getting to connect with the writers and the actors at the same time. And I was somebody who chose not to join social media for the longest time. I was, I'm somebody who, if you tell me to do something, I will not do it for the longest time until it's my turn. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm like, nope. When I'm ready, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So while everybody was there and tweet, I would just like read a book or something like that um, on set. And so going back to it, like all the writers and the actors really felt the connection with the fans. You know, they, they, they saw how much the fans really connected with Santana and Brittany. And it almost formed this life of its own through the fans in starting the relationship with Santana, like the emotional relationship, you know, it was there and you can feel it, but it was like the writers, you know, could sense the, the energy from, from the tweeters, Mm -hmm. (laughs) from the people on Twitter. 
and started kind of writing for them. And also, you know, just mine and uh, Naya's relationship in real life. We were just so close and we're always together, obviously, because we were filming every day. So it kind of just like meshed together. Well, I think, yeah, Twitter, you know, you brought that up and I didn't even really think of that, that that came about during that time and just hashtags and all of that. Yeah, it's, I mean, things, I mean, just with TV now, everything blows up. My gosh, the Golden Globes, the nominees came out today and like Twitter was just all over the place. It's huge. And I guess in terms of, well, then I think too, with uh, the relationship, the Brittany and Santana relationship on cable TV to have a relationship like that. Well, that was the same thing, I think, with something like Modern Family too. Um, It was so new and like the first of its kind really on a cable network. Uh, It was just huge in terms of representation. Yeah, it's interesting because now you have have so many different like streaming devices. It's just not so mainstream. I know. You know, like, and nothing's surprising anymore, honestly. Like anything goes nowadays. But the first out gay character... Um, played by Chris Colfer and, mm-hmm. you know, Santana and Brittany's relationship, these two teens falling in love and actually like admitting it to each other and the Glee Club. That's like so huge. So now for me, it's so interesting because quarantine has opened up Glee in a whole new realm for all these people that are staying at home, all these teens, all these young young um, LGBTQ kids who are discovering themselves for the first time. And I actually get to be a part of that. You know, the last five years I finally joined (laughs) and um, I know it's so crazy, but um, just the stories I hear and just getting to know these young kids who are like so grateful Mm -hmm. that they discovered the show at this time at the hardest part of their life or like, sharing that they told their parents today for the first time that they were gay and you know that they got accepted is just like I got to hear that first you know like they didn't tell anybody else it's insane and also so beautiful because god like they were never allowed to do that what 20 years ago it was just don't see it don't speak it don't you know yeah it's so powerful and I you brought up a great point too in terms of I guess, streaming services, right? And we had a couple months ago, we had Kate Flannery from The Office on and we were talking about that too. I think with all the streaming services right now, it's like friggin' amazing how it brings like a new generation of audience members and like people who get hooked on a TV show. So like really, I mean, I feel like as long as these streaming platforms are alive and like keeping shows... On Any the library. Goes, it's great. Like you can watch, I've never, I don't know if you ever watched Bonding, but no. there's a show called Bonding. It's hysterical. Um, it came out like a while ago and it's about this woman who does bondage and she like hooks her best friend into it. This like little gay best friend. Um, and I, I don't know his name. I, I wish I did, but he, I believe he writes it and he acts in it. Um, you can watch that, you know, you can watch a show yeah. about bonding. Like Fleabag is hysterical. Oh, There's just so yeah. much. I Well, good. yeah, Fleabag, like it's so short. I find myself like every couple months, I'll just go like put the episodes on, oh, do yeah. a load of wash. Like it's so great. I love The Boys. That. Have you watched The Boys? No, I haven't seen that oh. either. I've heard about that though. 
I've heard about it's it. It's so dark that I don't know why I can watch it because I'm not like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a graphics person. I don't like, you know, gory graphics. Right. But for some reason, because it's so campy, you know, it's like over the top mm-hmm. gore that I can do it. It's so good. The acting <sighs> is so good. Well, I finally watched Bridgerton a couple weeks ago because then it was sort of that thing. It's like, you know, like you were saying before, people are talking so much about something. You almost like, you're like, ah, like, don't change me. Like, I'll watch what I want to watch. But then it gets to a point where you're like, oh, I I have to join this cultural moment (laughs) and I have to watch it. So I watched it. And of course, it was great. And oh my gosh, well, like I said, the nominees came out today. And I think the show The Great with Al Fanning, watch that. It was fantastic. Um, so many other shows uh, came out this past year, despite the pandemic, and just amazing. Queen's Gambit, like, oh, so many shows. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, so streaming platforms are awesome. Oh my God, so good. <laughs> That's the point. Well, you brought up, um, so I guess you brought up uh, gore and sort of horror genre. That brings me to my next question, because you're sort of taking over a podcast of your own you're producing this new podcast, um, The Bystanders po- Project. Yes. What can you tell us about it? Um, what's it about? I'm excited because yeah. I sort of, I don't love gore, but I, I like psychological thrillers. So I'm hooked already. Yes. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so it's called The Bystanders Podcast and it's a scripted dark comedy um, it's about a group of people that just discover their neighbor being murdered in the apartment complex and they do nothing about it. Or so you think, quote unquote. Um, so you just, you know, you dive into the story and you start to learn more about these neighbors and, you know, if there might be more of an involvement or isn't there, um, so many fun people. We have Jane Lynch joined on super last minute. She's Amazing. our narrator, um, <laughs> her voice. We sat in on her recording, like, the second she started talking, like, we were, like, side note, like, tweeting, or, um, in a group text, texting each other the whole time while she was, like, <laughs> recording, and we're like, holy shit, this is so good. She's so good. She has, like, some Sue Sylvester moments that are just hysterical, like, that oh, deep tone where she just gets, like, <laughs> mad. Um, we have Kristen Chenoweth, who plays our lead, and she was just, she took it to a whole new level. Um, a really relatable level. We have Oscar Nunez, Ki Hong Lee, uh, Ed Westwick is in it. Um, such a deep, beautiful British accent. Most mm-hmm. people don't know he's British. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so many start, people are on TV. <laughs> the accents, you know, like you can never tell, but they, yeah, it's funny. So many Australians, they all just come to the US and steal our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's crazy. So, we started this over a year ago before the pandemic started we were pitching it out to companies the three of us so it's um myself it's a, it's a female-run podcast myself my friend Jacqueline Hales and Ashley Ash Lenzian. they're the writers um and they originally started as a tv show and they were telling me about it and I was like this is amazing would you consider turning into a podcast because I mean listen like homecoming um mother hacker like 36 questions. These, these podcasts are so good. I don't know if you've listened to an mm-hmm. audio drama, but like, it's just, it, it's like a reading a book because it leaves the, the story and the imagination up to the listener. It's so right. fun. So I was like, let's try this. We pitched it out to some companies 
And then we actually got a meeting with Believe Network, um, and they were like, we would love to. We had a couple meetings, and they were kind of the ones that we we really felt like they, they knew what we were going for here, and mm-hmm. they were jumping on board. Um, and it just so happened that they were the sister company to Black Label Media, which does like Cesario, La La Land, a lot of really great indie flicks. Yeah. Um, so after Believe jumped on board and we, we did Indiegogo fundraising ourselves, like we made the teaser, we had our good friend Marty do the, the visuals for that. Um, Black Label jumped on board and we were just like, our minds were blown because Black Label is so huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really big step for like us three females that were right. producing this, this yeah. podcast. So um, yeah, we're fourth episode in like putting in sound effects like I mean it's tedious work but we are so excited for people because there's Mm -hmm. no comedy really on podcast networks no well and that's the thing I think it's I feel like it's already going to do so well not only do you have a great cast but I just think the concept of it is so different And it's, you know, there's nothing, I mean, there are obviously you have these murder mystery podcasts, but I mean, my gosh, my favorite murderer, it's huge. So there's obviously a market, a demographic for it, but that's going to be so different to listen into this like dark comedy drama. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm excited that you're excited. Yeah. Well, so was it inspired by, because I believe that is an actual, um, like psych study, right? Where a woman is murdered. She's calling out for help and none of her neighbors, right? Yeah, it's like a psychological (laughs) phenomenon. They study it in psych class that, Mm -hmm. you know, the more people that are around, the less likely somebody is to do something. So just our thoughts on, on technology and social media nowadays is just that's magnified tenfold because so many people are just screens in front of them, like haze on, not paying attention and... I think personally, I think people are more likely to justify why they didn't mm-hmm. rather than to help somebody, you know? Um, and I've made it my life goal to, to make sure I'm constantly like looking out for other people or standing up for people, right. not only since learning this, but just like raising kids and like <laughs> watching how terrible people can be on Twitter and um, I, you know, I, I just think this story is so a interesting, like you said, mm-hmm. because it actually happened. Somebody right. was murdered, but also it's so relevant nowadays. People are just so stuck behind their screens and so like mm-hmm. interested and in binging and like, rather than going out and riding a bike, you know, it's just yeah. crazy. Well, I think that's one of the things that the pandemic, surprisingly, you would think, you know, being home with nothing to do, I would be more inclined to like be on my phone or be on my laptop surfing the internet all day long. But it's really opened me up to how much time I spend on my phone, how much time I'm on social media. And I think, yeah, for me personally, I've just taken the time to step away. It's like, yay, I have this extra time. I can read a book. I love to read, but like, you know, regular life, it's hard to find the time because I don't yeah. allot myself the time. But now I think for me, yeah, taking a step aside, putting down the phone, putting down yeah. the phone. Oh my god. It's gosh. like you sit in bed at night. You know it every night you sit in bed. I do at least. Mm-hmm. And I'll like start to scroll because the kids are in bed. And I'm like, oh, thank God I can unwind. But after I never feel good. I never feel like, wow, I feel like I just relaxed. 
Oh yeah, and then my eyes hurt. I'm like, I need blue light glasses. <laughs> like everything's a mess. Yeah, blue light glasses. <laughs> I yeah. Hysterical. Yeah, but I think that's a really interesting way to look at it in terms of the bystander effect. Um, just people being aware of others and what's going on. My gosh, like we're in a time right now where we all need to be like aware of what's going on with one another. Um, like mental health, I mean, getting way off topic, but like all of that, just being aware yeah. and present in one another's lives and just, you know, really looking out for people. I think that's a super important pandemic lesson, if you will. Yes, exactly. Being empathetic, Mm -hmm. you know, being sympathetic, looking at somebody and not assuming. Like, I have learned the biggest lesson being a parent, like, just never assume Mm -hmm. that you know exactly what's going on in that person's life. Yeah, like, you can have a quick judgment where, like, somebody, you know, accidentally doesn't turn on their blinker and you're like, oh, you idiot, why didn't you turn on your blinker? But, like, I don't know, then you do it yourself and you're like, right. (laughs) Like, what an a-hole. Like, yeah. come on. Exactly. So, I don't know. Well, so when can we expect this to be released? Is it coming? It's coming in the spring, right? Yeah, so we're hoping, yeah, the spring. We were looking at mid-March, but I can't give an exact date right now just because we still are in the thick of editing. So we're looking at springtime. Well, we will promote it regardless. I am so excited to give it a listen. Yes! I think, oh, so exciting and so different. Like I said, just yeah. very different. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's how we feel. I mean, we just keep pinching ourselves as we do this, like us three since the beginning, like we're just so astounded. We got Ed Westwick and we got Kristen Chenoweth, who was just so sweet. Oh my gosh. To be like, yeah, sure. I'd love to do your project. Didn't even think twice. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, people genuinely loved the script because it was so funny and that old school humor, but there was also this um, like film noir ask about it. And, right. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's, you know, whether or not it does well, we're just, we're just so excited for it. So it doesn't matter, you know, if it's like the most popular podcast in the world or if it's that nobody listens to, it. it's like, we <laughs> did that and it's, we love it and we're enjoying the heck out of every second. Exactly. I think that's, again, the most important part with any project, like it's your own work at the end of the day. And like, you yeah. did that. You created it. And sure. yeah, I think it's so amazing. So many people are creating and making so many amazing projects right now. I love yeah. to see people's like minds at work and crafting. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes you need to take, take a step and sit down, and, like sit back, you know, but that's also really hard. <laughs> Yeah. it's also really really hard I like can't do that unfortunately I, I wish I wish I could but just it's crazy it. I don't know how I don't I mean I do but then I don't right <laughs> well that's exciting so that's definitely something to be looking forward to and I will link up in the episode description for this episode um the link to the website because that has a ton of information about it yeah. and it is it's very like film noir-esque it's exciting so yes should be yes fun. please the bystanders podcast great well and then I guess anything else going on with pandemic life like you mentioned you have two boys I'm sure like virtual learning and in school and all of that is just uh, a lot I can't imagine I, I, uh, I keep applauding everyone who's doing it <laughs> I'm glad it's just me, myself, and I right now. <laughs> it's not even that it's that bad. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of bad sometimes. Um, but I, I, I mean, I, I hate getting political. I really do. But it just, 
it infuriates me that our government will open up a bar or like a sit down restaurant before they will get our teachers vaccinated and mm-hmm. take our kids into school. I'm just like, are you kidding me? I will like, agree to that. Well, I think from the very beginning, again, not getting like trying not to tip over into the pol- <laughs> political realm here. But I think just in terms of the beginning, it shows like where our priorities lie, that we were so preoccupied with sporting events and all of that, then just yeah. how we're going to get, you know, Joe and Sally a vaccine <laughs> and how we're going to get sure. people, you know, back to work and all of that. But I, I don't even mind that the sports are on. Honestly, I mean, guys are a breed of their own. Like they do their own thing. That's fine. They can mm-hmm. watch sports. I don't care. Those guys need jobs. But like. It's just, it blows my mind, you know, like these poor kids. Oh my God. And I, I said something on Instagram the other day about it. And those poor people that are come on, they're like, you spoiled woman who has to stay at home or poor you having to watch your child while they go to school. I'm like, okay, bud, you probably, <laughs> A, don't have children and B, you probably go out to those bars. I'm sure you do. And you probably spread COVID just like everybody else does right. when you take your mask off and you eat your food in front of everybody else and my mm-hmm. child is sitting at home and he's like low-key depressed so thank you so much Ugh, for the that. kids it's so um, sad I have like little kids in my family and oh you just you want them like it's normalcy like we all want to get back to where we want to be in life and going places sure. and doing things but it's like, like we like all have to mom. cooperate like, I don't know what else to do with them right without losing my mind like we watch you know we have screen time after lunch and then like at nighttime I let them watch some shows and it's like, I feel like I'm the worst mom in the world because I let them do that, but there's nothing else to do. Right. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what else, you know, I try, like I I make sure there's limits on their iPad. They have a 15 minute entertainment or um, I'm sorry, a 15 minute reading like goal they have to hit. But Mm -hmm. other than that, it's like, I don't know. We do KiwiCo. We try and do like, (laughs) arts and crafts. I make them paint when I paint. It's like, what are you supposed to do? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's, it's really hard. And I feel like it's very easy to get frustrated, right? It's so easy to get frustrated and upset and just mad with the world and each other. But I think at the end of the day, like I just keep reminding myself, like I am healthy and safe. My loved ones are healthy and safe. Like that's all I could ask for right now. Obviously, like I hope people in important places get the ball rolling and we focus on what we need to be focusing on. But I think just overall, I've been really trying to like focus on my blessings and just the pandemic. Exactly. This like whatever day we're on of this. (laughs) And you know what? Listen, like when, if you ever decide you want to have children, you will learn this is no different than real life. Like (laughs) I don't think my life changed from quarantine to real life. Honestly, Mm -hmm. like I just always home, like that's what we do, but there's just like, Oh, you can go to the, to the trampoline park and you can like go to eat out Mm -hmm. with people. So yeah, I'm like, I never get frustrated. I'm just like, when are we going to get it together? People, when are we going to get this together and have our priorities in check? Hopefully soon, hopefully soon. But yeah, until then, Yes. yes. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, well, Heather, this is great. So yeah, we have amazing things coming from you soon with this new podcast. I'm so excited. 
And, you know, I always like to conclude by asking, with this being handling it, has there been throughout your career, your experience as a mom, your pandemic lifestyle, has there been anything, whether it be advice you were given or a lesson you learned that really helped you handle your life? Um, hmm. I mean, I view my life as like, I've lived so far. I want to say I've lived like 10 lives. Um, and I always have like seasons in life, you know, um, I don't necessarily repeat things, but I've had so many life lessons in so many different lives, Mm -hmm. you know, different chapters. I would say if I would write a book, they would just be different chapters that closed and then another one opened. And so I'm always trying to keep my mind's eye focused on the lessons that I've learned in those past lives and what I can take with me so that they're not repeated. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's easy for us to like repeat patterns in our life. Um, so I don't know if that's like too in depth and too deep, but, um, I've just gone through so many different hard times in my life, great times in my life. Um, and like you said, staying focused on the positive is really the best tool you can have because it's really easy to lose yourself in the negative. Um, and another thing that my therapist always tells me now, and the thing that I had to learn the hardest for me personally, because I was always so introverted and I would never share how I felt with anything. And that took me to a really low place at one point in my life, like where I just kept everything inside and it just affected me so bad. It's like for those people who are like that and don't know how to express themselves, start practicing now saying, ouch, when it hurts, whether that's like journaling or whether it's taking one time in the day where you just, you know, something doesn't feel right and saying it out loud to your brother or your sister or something like instead of going in your room. So like I would go in my room, I'd shut the door and I'd lay on my bed and I just couldn't speak to anybody. And I would just like, let everything go. Like a, I would manifest it, but like B, I would just like, let it just fester in my brain until like all of a sudden I would just be so mad. Mm-hmm. And the more I practiced, like saying out loud to my children, like you're hurting my feelings or my husband, like, I don't agree with that. Or will you please help me with this? Like, I feel like I'm taking on the world. Just say, ouch, when it hurts is the best advice I've ever gotten. Because now I feel like I'm living my life so much more fully instead of living two different lives. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it's, I think that's great advice. I think with so much going on right now. It's so relatable because, you know, you have to realize that life gets messy and it's okay when your life gets messy and it's okay when you're upset that things are messy and that things aren't going your way. And if you're hurting and all of that, I think it's important to, you know, let it out every now and then not to keep it bottled up. For sure. Mm -hmm. We always find out that everything works out. I mean, it's crazy. You can get into such a lull and you're like, it's never going to get better. What's wrong? It's like everything always works out. Yeah. It's, it's so true. It always works out. It just depends on your mind frame. You know, like it just depends on if you can see it through or if you can, if you can find the equation, you know, like if you can find your end game. So totally, totally. 
Well, Heather, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. All right, guys, I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Heather. Not only was I such a fan of her work on Glee, but I love the fact that Heather's put all her talents to the test and proved that you can drive your career in different directions. I cannot wait to see her work with the Bystanders podcast. There's a link in the episode description below that will allow you to check out their website and learn more about the Bystanders. Thank you to Heather so much for coming on and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.